Hey, dear listener, do you enjoy listening to us ramble incoherently about Canadian politics and history? Boy, do we have a special fucking treat for you. We've got our first ever official live show at a bar. It's at Two Crows Brewing on uh, Brunswick Street in Halifax on Sunday, May the 26th at 8 p.m. And uh, if you go to CanadianPoliticsIsBoring.com, if you look at the banner at the top, it will take you to the tickets so that you can uh, book a ticket and come and spend some quality time. It is going to be a very intimate affair. There are like only about 50 tickets available. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to drink a lot. We're going to quiz. Reese is going to quiz me at the end, but he's also going to quiz the audience and see if they know more than I do. And any alcohol you buy, Reese and I, we promise to drink it no matter how much it is. If you want to hold our hair while we barf in the plants outside of the bar, we'll do that for you. So go to CanadianPoliticsIsBoring.com, click the banner at the top, and on Sunday, May the 26th at Two Crows Brewing on Brunswick Street, we will see you there. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Like, what about the, the flying spaghetti monster? That's a religion that a lot of people follow that, you know, is quite ridiculous, but it is a religion, right? And, like, would I not allowed to be eating spaghetti in certain restaurants? Because that's my... my no, it's public. If, if you're a public employee. If you're a public employee. Is it government? Yeah, if you were a judge and you said, I worship this spaghetti and you were sitting on the bench and you were eating it and saying, I, I worship this spaghetti, I, they might take that bowl of spaghetti away from you. Amazing. Welcome to Canadian Politics is Boring! Uh, hello, welcome to Canadian Politics is Boring. I am here with Jesse. Hello! And we have a very special guest. Very, very special. Uh, Mark Johnson. Super special, you might say. Yeah, well, would you say um, super uh, just a big markup? He he has hung out with some of the biggest names in Canadian politics. I know that's why we're um, very excited, and I imagine has them on speed dial. Uh, Mark Johnston, Mark who, Johnston, who uh, is the uh, the director and uh, producer of Political Blind Date. Hi, Mark. Hey, ta-da! Very ta-da-da. special. <laughs> who, who do you have on speed dial? Yeah, I want to know. And if you can't say for security reasons, we understand. <laughs> I, it's not security. It's just I'd rather being a friend. No, listen. We I, every show we make, I will have everybody's phone numbers on the day because 
things happen, people get caught in traffic. You need people's phone numbers. So a lot of phone numbers. <laughs> we don't need, we won't broadcast those use, phone numbers. I don't use speed dial. Who uses speed dial anymore? I mean, that's for me in the nineties. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, I have voice recognition on my phone now. I just say call asshole and it dials you for some strange reason. Just... <laughs> so Mark, um, your show, uh, Political Blind Date, uh, for anyone who hasn't seen it before, is uh, what, I, what I think is a great concept. It basically, uh, you pit two political adversaries together, except in a very human way. You're not pitting them against each other, really. They're going on blind dates where they take each other to meet different people who represent different issues. And they just hang out and they're like normal people with each other, which is quite a feat. Now, I, I wish I had I wish I had had time to to find the show and watch it. I'd actually like to watch it even after we record this, if you could send us. Like, I, I sent I did send you the links, Jesse. But no, I you think, sent me I a think link. You're asleep. No. <laughs> Oh, did you? Yeah, I could have watched yeah, yeah. it. Oh, you could oh damn it. it. I really like the concept. I wanted to watch it. Oh, oh. so one of you one of you has done their homework. And, <laughs> as not always. I check my email religiously. I didn't I didn't get any links from you, Reese. I swear. So it's like, like every classroom in the world. I did read I did read the, the long and short synopsis of the show though, and it's great. <laughs> Um, and Thank I'm, you. I'm curious how comedic it is in nature. Do these guys try to be like, do the, it's, are the dates forced to be kind of like in romantic settings sort of thing? Like, do they talk while on a Ferris wheel eating cotton candy and holding hands sort of thing as an example? Oddly, you know, it, it almost feels that way sometimes, but uh, it, it's not like that. But I think what happens when two politicians spend two days together is that you have tons of unguarded moments and some of them are really funny. You know, for example, we had a show with Jugmeet Singh and mm-hmm. Doug Ford before he became premier and half of the date was riding a bicycle around downtown Toronto, which Doug Ford had not done in 35 <laughs> years. And in the show, he stops and they're at a crosswalk and he says, you know, Jugmeet, these seats are terrible. My, a- my ass hurts. And at and, and I think people laugh, not just because it's funny, but because they never laugh about politics. Right. Uh, it, it, you know, it's usually, usually you're crying about politics. You're not laughing. And, and I think that is one of the discoveries we made is that these moments can have human levity. And I think people at home sometimes might even catch themselves. Should I be laughing at them? Yeah. But they, it's funny. Like I, I think as well, like people are used to seeing them managed, and like there's a, a like a PR strategy in terms of how they're portrayed, and for them to like show just be human and like ride a bike for a while and get a sore ass. That's what complain that's, about. That's it. your idea of being it, human. No, no, but, but, it, but when, when would they ever be vulnerable like that? They're not. You know, politicians right. tend not to show like human uh, vulnerabilities. So how how did you get the idea for the show? Yeah, the idea. In fact, we stole it. Um, <laughs> like all good ideas. There, there, there was an article in The Guardian uh, in in uh, the United Kingdom. In The Guardian, there was an article which was they had a couple of coffee dates between politicians before the 2015 general election. And it was just a transcript of the two of them meeting over coffee. There was no issue of the day. None of the things that we added later. But my, I have a partner, Tom Powers. I have another partner, Amanda Handy. The three of us uh, came up with the show, but he clipped the article. And he just said to Amanda and I, there, there must be something else that is in here, not just this simple meet, say hello, you know, have a coffee. And we began to think. 
And then we said, well, what if there was a theme, one policy issue they both disagreed on that was really important to each of them? And could we have that? They, how about they go out into the world and take each other to meet people or go to places that are important in their point of view on that policy issue? And we started to make a shape, a formula that we might be able to make this happen. And we went to, at that time, TVO, which is the public broadcaster here in Ontario, and you can stream this on TVO.org or on their YouTube channel. You know, they, we pitched them and the Toronto Star, which is the country's biggest daily newspaper, um, and then eventually CPAC. And we went that, in and that pitched place the is idea. a riot, man. CPAC. Oh my God. Just get some vodka, some <laughs> chips, get the family together, put that show on. Oh my God. Just well, that that's why we're good for them, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Live liven it up for them. <laughs> exactly. But but I think we so we made the pitch. We had this idea to do this. And I think it's the only time in my career where people around the table went, yeah, okay, we'll do that. <laughs> that's, that's when you know you've got a, a good idea pitched at the oh, right and then, time to then the right people. Then we looked at each other and walked out of the room and went, oh my God, now we have to make it? <laughs> like, how are we going to persuade the country's busiest people to take two entire days, maybe even with some travel in between the days, to spend making this show, like how are we going to possibly do it? Because we just knew this was going to be our biggest challenge. And right. as we discovered, it is, you know, I, I say two things. One, I made a film with some colleagues about Al Qaeda recruiters for the CBC and Arte in, uh, and uh, broadcasters around the world in which we went around the world and we tried to find these Al Qaeda recruiters and interview them in hiding um, about wow. the work they did. Jesus. And it went, and it was easier to book them than it, was, <laughs> than, than, than it is to to get these two politicians <laughs> to get their schedules to match. I also like to say that getting those schedules to match is like landing two seven forty sevens on an aircraft carrier at the same time from opposite directions. But you guys managed to pull it off. Yeah, we've done it. We've done it uh, twenty five times now, That's and um, so fifty politicians. And uh, we've done it. Well, we're also we just take no for an answer. And our our episode that's coming up next is on the Trans Mountain Pipeline. And I have worked with my colleagues for four entire years to get this episode to happen wow. with Elizabeth May. I, and, I, I, and, yeah. I was going to say, I watched that episode last night, and um, the one thing, obviously, it's such a... Can you describe it to me, Reese? I haven't seen it. <laughs> so, uh, well, uh, it, it's essentially uh, Green Party MP and former party leader um, Elizabeth May and uh, Kathy McLeod, Conservative MP and Shadow Minister for Crown Indigenous Relations. Um, they're in BC. They're talking about um, the trans mountain pipeline. But essentially, the thing I really liked about it was that um, they took each other to meet different people on different sides of the argument. Oh, that's cool. And uh, when you're used to seeing this kind of argument so polarized in like on social media and everything and people for and against, how um, yeah, humanizing it was for people, for a farmer or somebody involved in that industry to stand there and explain things from their perspective face to face. It makes a hell of a difference. <laughs> I mean, it yeah. sounds too, it just sounds too 
adult and too responsible. Like if I were a part of this show, the first and like, are we booked to? We got them. Yeah. OK, cool. So what we're going to the first episode is we're going to handcuff them together and we're going to put them in a rowboat and put them out to sea with just a bag of chips and a thing of water. And they're not allowed back until they can both agree on one subject. That, That's no no one would be on your show, Jesse. Are you? Well, yeah. no. <laughs> we don't tell them that but, before we book but them. We more or less do that. I mean, yeah. We throw them into a minute. We throw them into a minivan and they drive with each other and in this covid summer last summer that we filmed they were in separate vehicles but normally they get thrown in a vehicle and they don't know where they're going that's the blind date part of it so so elizabeth doesn't know where kathy is taking her and kathy does not know where she is going um, down on Vancouver Island or who she's going to meet. That is the leap of faith for these politicians and why I will forever be thankful, especially for the season one politicians, because they jumped off the cliff with us and mm-hmm. just said that this sounds nuts, right? But it sounds <laughs> cool. And let's see what happens. Did and you ever get now, some, some real now drama? You show, like yeah, real you fighting can, and, and gnashing of teeth and like any brawls? <laughs> Um, you, you know, I always say on set that, um, you know, it's a safe workplace and I let everybody know that. And uh, and everybody is always really respectful. We have had That's some sparky, sparky moments on the show. I mean, I we had the former counselor, Jim Kergianis, who's no longer a uh, Toronto counselor, who uh, a longtime liberal MP. He's a very strong, combative person. And Anthony Perutz, a Toronto councillor, and this was all in season three, they talked about Scarborough Subway, the, the subway extension. And they are known for fighting in the chambers. And even councillors who had their own episode said, I don't care about my own episode. I want to see what Anthony and Jim get up to. And it was sparky, really sparky, yeah. but always respectful. See, always that's, respectful. That's, that's, to me... Um, disappointing. I would. You want them to have a fist fight? I want them fight. to have a fist fight. Yeah, I wanted to break out in fisticuffs in a van that they can't get out of because it's barreling down the highway. Although, although I, I, I've got to say that the technique of having them in a van together driving is a great documentary technique because they drop their guard, don't they? They const- one of them concentrating on driving, the others navigating and pressing the buttons and right. doing everything else. And do you find that like they, they relax into that moment yeah. and yeah. you kind of just get yeah. so much out of them? And yeah, how those drunk are, do you those get? Are, them? Those are great moments. Those are fantastic moments. And we we just came up with that idea before the first episode we ever filmed, which was on the legalization of cannabis four years ago. And we said, ah, let's throw a couple of GoPros and a recording device into the vans in between the date points and see what happens. And of course, we got the footage back and we said, oh, this is right at the heart of what we want to do. There are no camera operators in there. And if they are really focused on the subject, which they are, like they're on a date to debate a specific policy, they kind of lose track that they're being recorded. They know they are, but they lose track of it. And and then and you get all kinds of magic. And so do they do they want to see the episode before it goes out or do you have That's a great question. Carte blanche. Yeah, that is a great question. Want. Can you just edit as you do you have like director's cut like what's Yeah, no nobody ever sees the show before it goes to air. Whether, wow. Whether, how do you, whether how do you, it's Andrew Shear, <laughs> Jugmeet Singh, Doug Ford. Have you ever uh, had anyone come to you after recording and say, "Hey, look, I said this thing. I I really prefer that not be included in the final no, show." No, it's never no. happened. You know why? Be, you know why? Because 
there's no host of the show. They we just recording in an observational way uh, what yeah. they're doing, and then we and then we make it very balanced, right? We are relentlessly balanced. Like this is this person's point, and then here's the counterpoint, and now it's their date, and they present the person, and it's not actually difficult to put the show together. I think in terms of just listening to each of their points of view, and uh, and I think that's why politicians like it. And I know some politicians have publicly said they enjoy it because they get two days uh, to present their point of view on a policy in an incredibly thorough way um, that they wouldn't otherwise be able to. And I think that's very attractive because you get, you know, you you get all this time and this real estate on television to present your point of view. Has has anyone halfway through the record gone? Oh shit! What a, what did what did I sign up for? Has anyone kind of like changed and kind of realized oh, that? Oh, yeah. Uh, like, through, like, I don't want to do this. What am I doing? How, do I, can we stop now? Is this, I'm out. I'm out. Stop the van. Give me my, oh, give me my pants back. I'm, I'm done with this date. No, but I would I have a very say, different show in mind than in my, my imagination than probably what you guys have been recording for the past few years. <laughs> I, I think two, two politicians have sort of expressed. And not that they wanted to stop. I don't think uh, everybody's too good of a sport and dedicated to what we're trying to do. And they know how serious we are at doing this right. But, you know, a couple of them have said, like, what have I got myself into? I've heard that twice. <laughs> uh, In like fun, and, fun, good natured sort of way or like a dead serious like, oh, God, what have I got myself into? Oh, yeah. Serious. Yeah. Oh, wow. Serious. But but but, you know, not not in any way that they'd stop. They were just like, oh, boy. And <laughs> and because of the blind nature of the date, I mean, one person once felt ambushed uh, by the guest that was brought by the other politician awesome. to fight on the policy issue and attack that person's government. And they pulled me aside and said, this is BS. Like, this is. This is too much, man. And 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 there were kind of, yeah, it, and it, it was intense. Now, the politician handled themselves brilliantly and empathetically uh, with the guests that the other politician brought. And it was lovely. And in the end, it worked great. It was a great episode. But just once did I really ever see somebody just go, just say this, this is, you know, like, like, I'm going to get in trouble, (laughs) you know, you know, somewhere up the line chain of command, probably if this comes out, if this comes out wrong, because it was a delicate matter. And sometimes these shows are often we're dealing with serious stuff, right? Like delicate matters like refugee policy. And so it's serious. It's serious, serious stuff. And and yeah, that was but the person didn't stop. They just pulled me aside and said, I I'm I'm having a problem with this because I feel it's unfair, but I'm going to do my best right. to to be to answer questions, you know, respectfully because these people have been brought by the other politician, and I'm going to respect them and answer their questions right and interact with them. So yeah, so only so I'd say two little wobbly moments which weren't that serious, and then and one serious wobble, but but none of them ever. It would never be a pull the plug because one that would put me out of business. <laughs> and right, like that's just I don't know, man. Beyond. That'd be a great rate. That'd be great for ratings, I'm sure. Like just <laughs> like, I, I do have, I do have a question for you, Mark. To watch. I have, I have, a, I have a question. I have a question for you, Mark. And in the in the number of years that you've been making this show, how many 
politicians and policymakers by the end of the episode changed their mind about the policy that they were discussing? Yeah, I don't think that not that many that have changed the position, but uh, have they learned a lot? Have they seen other aspects of the policy debate that they may at least now be open to talking about? So no yes. one changed their mind? No, because it's hard to do a complete hundred and like a complete flip is almost impossible, right? Um, did, did they soften but, their position maybe and be a bit more like, oh, maybe uh, maybe I shouldn't okay. be such a hard ass on that, you know, on that topic. And there, there are more sides to it than I realized. Is it that kind of tone? Yes, it is. And not and more than that, it's more like they made a friend on the other side of the aisle. Oh, ah, okay. Mm. Um, that they can talk to. Let's say there's a piece of legislation about this policy. And I know for a fact two politicians who are debating a piece of legislation, federal legislation, that they became the conduits in the background uh, between the two parties on the issue because of the show. Chocolate raisins, butter pecan pie, a warm breeze on a sunny day, mid-podcast special announcements. These are all of our favorite things, and I'm sure you'll agree. Hey, here comes one now. So your show is uh, subtly influencing the, the the kind of the quiet discussions and decisions going on in Canadian politics in Ottawa. Okay, I have a, I have a good funny one. Okay, and I'm not going to give any specifics, but we were <laughs> launching an episode and there was a piece of legislation in the episode and it was going to be passed right around the time the episode came out. And I talked to this politician and... And they said, well, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's getting ready to be voted on. I said, well, the episode is on this date. So can you pass it the day before? And then and the politician laughed and said, you're joking, but you're not joking. <laughs> and I said, exactly right. <laughs> you know, why don't you pass it the day before? <laughs> um, but of course, it's ridiculous. And every government has its plan. But what's what, but what what it meant to me and what it what it means to me in terms of the work that our team does hmm. is that we seem to be picking episodes that are staying pretty evergreen, that are staying right top of mind for Canadians. And here we are six months after filming the episode on Trans Mountain Pipeline and Keystone XL gets canceled last week and Trans Mountain is on top of mind for everybody. Right. And here comes the episode tonight. So uh, you know, I, I'm I'm really proud of that, and and that we've been able to at least identify uh, issues that people want to talk about. I, I got a question about um, so Andrew Shear, for instance, his political image was never very strong, and uh, maybe like more like a um, uh, uh, androidy is, is, is a polite way of putting it. But I, you did an episode with him. Did like his humanity blossom in a way that it hasn't been able to on other forums? Um, Has he learned how to be more human? No, no, I don't. I don't think that's the right question. He he is a human being. And, oh no, I, I know he uh, is, but his image isn't. And, <laughs> and, and uh, I hear what you're saying, and I think uh, having a chance to spend. He had a chance to spend two days with the mayor of Mississauga, Bonnie Crombie, a liberal, uh, but they had served together in Parliament, and it was about the urban rural divide. It was really damn good episode, and. You know, he has a partial urban, partial rural riding in Saskatchewan. And she has one of the biggest cities in Canada, Mississauga. And I thought it was fascinating. And uh, and he's 
Doe, he's just a normal human being. And and I think, okay, I mean, I'll be honest, having two days, uh, him being a part of it, I thought, you know, showed that he is a probably um, um, a warmer human being than you might get from his other very short media appearances. And, and, it, and it speaks to one of the efforts that we've undertaken with the series is that we we're tired of the dehumanization of politicians in the media, right? Where yeah. people could talk about politicians as if they didn't have families or chi- families or children or all kinds of stuff like that. And it's just seems, that just seemed crazy to me. And therefore, you know, uh, humanizing everyone, every single politician, including Andrew is like, that's what we should show that these people that they're dedicating their lives to public service. It's not easy, especially if you have a young family that all of them deserve our respect for doing that. And that they're, 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 they're decent human beings. Even if you hate their politics. Yeah. That's the sure. point. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think is the assumption that most people are trying to do the right thing for their community, their families and, and everybody else around them, but they just come in from it from a very different angle. My thought is, is that, you know, watching your episode, what it did a great job of showing how issues that people might draw opinions on from maybe a handful of tweets and a couple of headlines where they don't click on the full article, you know, it shows how complicated and layered those issues are. And then also shows how complicated and layers, how complicated and layered the politicians are as well as individuals. And things often get boiled down to headlines, tweets, you know, those little sound bites. Uh, and I yeah, that's as a, true. As an exercise of going, these are real places just because this town doesn't support this. Half of them do, half of them don't. Um, and within that, there's different kinds of people who who support certain aspects and not others. And then the leaders are coming from it. You know, I, I think there's, uh, it's one of those things where it just shows how complicated everything is, how hard it is to form an opinion on something. Like for me to have an opinion on um, the Keystone Pipeline, mm-hmm. I don't really... Um, like part of me goes, yeah, well, you know, fossil fuels, we need to move on. And then the other part of me understands the, I come from a, a place where coal mining was the reason that place existed. And then that right. died overnight and, you know, grew up in what was left of it. And and I think that like um, the ability for th- this show, Mark, I think, I think you do a good job of kind of like just showing how g- trying to have a strong opinion on something you barely know nothing about is, is uh, I think, it's not. It's not not the right tract. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to pick up on what you're saying, which is uh, sound bites and media scrums. I mean, there's another motivation for us making the series, which was I was tired of watching Question Period, and they just this partisan attacking. It's like, come on, you're not even talking about the thing that you're supposed to be debating. And then I would see a press scrum in Parliament. And it's uh, 30 seconds of sound bites and then they're off. Yeah. And you think, how in the hell is a Canadian supposed to understand what's going on inside this issue? Right. Uh, whether it's Trans Mountain or, you know, or migrant labor conditions and all. How are they supposed to know by watching what exists in the public forum? It's almost impossible. And, and, and so for us, it's like, no way. There's got to be a better way. If we throw them together for two days and these people often have very serious responsibilities on the issues, right? Like they're, I mean, like look at Elizabeth May, you know, former Green Party leader. She's one of the most knowledgeable people about Trans Mountain in the country. 
And there is the shadow minister for Crown Indigenous Affairs from the Conservative Party who comes from a riding that is very much involved in having the, the, the Trans Mountain cross its territory. Wow. What an opportunity for two people who might just step up in Parliament and kind of yell at each other for two minutes. But now they're actually going to go and they're going to explain to us and each other what their points of view are and why. And it's like, oh, man, that that's better than somebody spewing garbage uh, on the floor on the floor of the House of Commons. It's just much better. Right? Joe, that, that's, so. what I, that's what I find weird about parliamentary democracy. And I'm from the UK where... Like part of being the leader is being able to put on a performance where everyone just jeers at each other across the aisle. Um, it's not just oh, can I sit behind a desk and make good decisions based on evidence and you know put a good team together to make some good policies and all those kind of things. Is can I can I be a good stand up comic in, and and like throw one liners back and forth? Feels like such a distraction. It hmm. doesn't ever feel like constructive <laughs> debate. Like you're saying, that almost becomes the antithesis of of them being able to work together in that sense, where it's supposed to be where they are working together. What, what I also knew was that behind the scenes, they're all having a glass of wine with each other at the yeah, end yeah. of the day. <laughs> exactly. And like they, they are. And, and in fact, uh, early on, we had a conservative politician who uh, agreed to do the show. And I said, oh, who persuaded you? Um, you know, this other conservative member who did the show. And she said, oh, no, a liberal member. We were having a glass of wine. He said, you'll love it. It's great. You should do the show. <laughs> and I thought, aha, right? Like that is what goes on. And that's what you see in the show, which is that uh, they, they, you know what? To me, it's you must communicate. If this country is going to be governed in a coherent fashion. You better talk to each other. Otherwise, we're doomed. Right. As 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 citizenry, we, we won't have people who can do the job because all they're concerned with is yelling and screaming at each other. Well, that just seems really bad for for the outcomes that might happen for the rest of us. Right. Counterproductive. Yeah. I, and, and think about like um, how far things are in, in the U.S. in terms of the divide with the, with each other. And and you look at like the. um I, I guess you know you kind of think about the moderate kind of center. Most most people are in the middle, and you just get very loud kind of people on the edges, I guess, and and seizing the 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 agenda in, in some ways. But I think that like the 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 danger of of allowing it to boil down to sound bites and everything is that people yeah. have to say things that are slightly crazier to get heard <laughs> and to draw the attention and everything like that. Whereas it is polit, you know. Having a normal civilized debate isn't the most exciting. It doesn't grab headlines, whereas those people aren't used to listening. People like there's a saying that people listen to you not to hear what you're saying, but to wait for their turn to speak, right? And that's sad, and it's very apparent in modern day politics, um, where you're you're just two people are they might have some great ideas as to what they're defending, but they they don't really care about what the other person has to say. And I don't know if I were if if I were to make a show similar to this or even this show, uh, at the end of each episode, I would like sit them down in a room individual, like apart from one another, or maybe together, and and like ask them, okay, what did you learn from the other person? Give me a list. Well, that's exactly yeah. what we do. That's what Mark does. <laughs> oh, it does? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. I should watch the show. <laughs> you should watch the show. <laughs> <laughs> at, 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 the, at the end, wow, there's this show called Political Blind Date. You should check it I out. I should check it out. Um, yeah. Answer your question. But but at the end of, of the two days, we separate have separate interviews for each of them. We ask them, 
you know, not just their life story, but how did the date go? And then at the end, right, of that interview, I asked them, so would you work with this person going forward? How do you feel about them? Do you have you learned about them? And you always get these answers right as the show is closing about how what they've learned about each other and that they might now have a friend on the other side of the aisle. Um, you know, this is one of the objectives that we had. And um, I mean, listen, I will admit that the relative success of the series has been stunning to me that we kind of, you know, we pitched it at, uh, it's a night, it's a big idea. And then we did it and then everyone loved it. And then we did it again and everyone loved it more. And then we can it's like, Oh boy, this is incredible. And that, you know, it, it's uh, to, to take a chance to make a change in however small a way mm-hmm. uh, you know, in political discourse, if we've caused one little tiny you know, change in certain parts of the political community. Wow, that is the best feeling. It's really good. Oh wow! Well, I'm, I, glad, I'm glad. I'm glad you're able to to affect people's minds in in that fashion and your own. You know, I, I mean, I think a lot of people who um, maybe are aware of the show uh, are kind of the most iconic episode is definitely uh, Jugmeat and Doug, um, and and that's the one I was aware of before um, before we, we we started talking and and doing this. And are they they've become friends, haven't they, from that episode? I, is that true? I. I, they were friendly at the time. I don't know what their level of contact would be since, but, but, you know, I think I suspected before we even made the episode that there would be certain commonalities between them. Their, their policy positions on public transit, which was what it was about and transportation. That's why the bicycles, I knew that they'd be very different, but I knew that they shared certain things in common, which is they are both intensely loyal family people. That family is everything to both of them. I knew that their brothers had gotten them into politics, each of them. And lo and behold, when they met for that, you know, when they had, uh, you know, they met for coffee or tea or, uh, you know, Doug Ford drinks green tea with milk. Actually, that's what he drinks. Um, <laughs> this doesn't sound very yeah, pleasant at all. Like, uh, no, oh, I, I remember Jugmeat going, what? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm what? with Jugmeat on this. Yeah, his green tea and milk position. <laughs> oh, no. I Well, I mean, no, he's in a you know tiny percentile of people that would actually do that. But, but, I, think, but I think the two of them had more in common than I think people thought and that maybe they even knew, but I suspected. I knew their stories. And there was a certain there's a certain bromance that happened in that episode that's really interesting to watch, and um, you know I don't know how they feel about it since, but but you know both of them became party leaders and one became a premier since we yeah, made yeah. that episode. Um, you know there is a running joke um, in political circles a few people say, which is if you want to be a party leader you have to be on political blind date. Um, but, uh, <laughs> we've, cause we've had a number of them. So, um, so we did an episode on, um, Justin Trudeau's boxing match he did before he became leader of the Liberal party and yeah. about how that made people take him a bit more seriously and think he was a bit, there was more to him than, than necessary meets the eye. Is it that kind of thing where it's kind of like a, almost like an opportunity to reframe how people think about you? Yeah. And, and again, without a host or anybody in between um, the politician and, and the audience, really, um, th- that can be appealing if people say, I want people to know who I am. Right. Nobody knows who I am. They just have people yelling at me and 
I have a press scrum and they hear a statement from me. But this show That's is an be a hard job. And like, if you just frame it that way is my job is to say things and then people yell at me in return. That's, that's my job. Like I'd rather people know the, the, the me inside. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> when people aren't yelling at me for my J job. That's, that sounds awful. And then they discover things about each other. We did a, a, an episode in the third season about city finances in Toronto. It sounds boring, but it was great because the former uh, budget chief, uh, Shelley Carroll, counselor, took the present budget chief, uh, Gary Crawford, and one liberal, one conservative, and she took him to New York City to meet senior staff in New York City finance about how Toronto should raise certain kind of taxes. And they couldn't believe how backwards uh, our tax policy was here. But what happened in that episode, why I'm saying this is politicians who actually serve together discover things making the show they never knew. And Gary revealed at their first meetup for coffee that he had uh, a daughter who had had special needs growing up and that occupied a lot of his life. Well, she famously has a daughter she's talked about in public who has autism. And she, in the middle of that scene, put her hand on his and said, You've, I've never known that, Gary. You've never told anyone. It was a moment of connection between them. Um, that here people would serve for many years together in council, and they never, and they, she didn't know that about his family. So, wow. so that's really interesting to me. And and I don't know if we're also a bit therapist. The show that. Um, we kind of make fee- people feel liberated, like they're in this safe place and they can talk openly <laughs> about things. And also, I suppose it says a lot about like their ability to feel vulnerable and and show vulnerability. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, obviously, like oh, uh, vul- I mean, yes, no, that I'm, I, vulnerability is a, a great way to connect with. I mean, it's, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. just a great way; it's it's kind of the way to connect with other people. Like if you're, if you're dating someone, if you're a friend, like becoming friends with someone or or like family members you haven't talked to in a long time, if you find yourself in a moment where you can be vulnerable, that's when connections happen. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I was actually telling that to the, to the liberal party years ago when they decimated the film industry. I'm like, look, if you made a mistake, but you, and you know it and you're hiding it because you're one of trying to save face. Now we, nobody really knows why they did it to this day. But like I told, like I I went down and I, I told them like, look, just, admit it it'll it'll connect us to you better and they didn't do it but whatever that's that's <laughs> i'm not bitter that's, that's, <laughs> no no Jess, jesse isn't bitter at all no, not at all. but even that's like, that's the tears part of politics yeah, that we were talking yeah, about at the start yeah yeah and even like you like biden crying in his speech like within the last couple of weeks i, I don't know i think that's i don't think that's a bad thing for for at all and i think that if if you're giving people that forum where they are actually able to go oh yeah this you go oh that I, I can relate to that. We've got similar, yeah. similar. We've got more in common than we are different. It's, I think it's a huge, huge mistake for politicians to go out there thinking that they need to continue to have this aspect of them of being infall- infallible, yeah. and and heroic at all times and all knowing. That's no. If you're going to have people follow you, then they need to be able to connect with you on some level, you know. And yeah, that's where I, I think that's absolutely nuts to take to be trapped into that position. And and I think I believe that the you know the couple dozen politicians that we've had on the show are the ones who actually get it right. They say, right. "No, this is a good moment. These people, I've watched their shows. I know it's a safe place. I can be myself as a politician and as a human being, 
And, and that's a good thing. It's a good thing for my constituents, for me, for policy discussions. It's just a good thing all around. And if there was more of that, I think, you know, we may have better policies that are more universally effective across the country. Right. If people would treat each other like human beings and listen to each other. And again, they're trapped together for two days. They have to listen to each other. Can't get away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, who who <laughs> haven't you had? Is there a, obviously you're trying, it's not just a case of having one person. You almost go, I want that person. And I want them to spend two days with that person. Is uh, it, uh, is it any, is uh, there, who are the perfect yeah. people you'd love to have? Well, well, uh, well, we and we are planning a move. We're going to try to take it south of the border this year, which oh, cool. it's perfect timing. So we're in talks with people there, and uh, in the United Kingdom, uh, we, I had a meeting wow. this morning. So, so we're we're you know we're trying to spread the good word, right? But in Canada, of course, it's the Prime Minister. Of course, who would you match uh, him up with? Uh, no, he wouldn't. See, I I don't think I, I understand. I'm not sure I've talked in public about this before, but I, I let's let's analyze this. There's 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 no real upside to him doing an entire episode with one of the leaders of the opposition. I think I think there's there's way more for an opposition leader to gain by doing that. It's a unique position. He's really the only politician in Canada, and that would apply to a conservative or an NDP prime minister. I think it's too much to expect that they would have the time or that the, the circumstances would allow for it to be a kind of even match. I, it's just my instincts about this. However, I, I would love for him to be a guest in one of the episodes for one of his uh, liberal MPs who's in an episode on an issue where it would matter to have the, the input of the prime minister as a surprise guest, right? Like, like a cameo. The, yeah, it's a cameo. Well, you have guests on each portion of the dates, right? That help bolster the point of view. So I, I really hope that at some point, and we have, I mean, I think I can say it's been considered there. I think I understand that. I don't know if he personally, but I understand that people like the show, right? There's been, I think, seven members of the caucus. And I think it's all been, everybody's been positively portrayed, just like they have been in the other, the conservative and NDP caucus, and now the green caucus. So I, you know, I, I would hope there's a way we could find him to be a part of it because I think it would be great to have him on an issue that maybe he really connects to in terms of one of his liberal MPs and, and the subject of that episode. I, I'm, I'm fingers across that at some point in the future we could make it happen. It would be great. We, we would, it would be great to have him. I think, I think as well, like the, he's actually a good example of a, a politician who, who does that vulnerability really well. Like he's he's someone who's kind of. I mean, we've all fallen downstairs before. Yeah, yes, like. he's really good at falling downstairs. I've no. never seen that, Mark. He's he's. You've, you've never seen him fall downstairs. I've seen it. I watched oh, it on YouTube. Okay, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, he's skilled at falling downstairs. Right. Yeah. 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 like 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 Gerald Ford, the uh, American president, always falling downstairs. Did he do it as well? Was that his party trick? Oh, <laughs> that was famous. And then uh, oh, Chevy wow. Chase, Chevy Chase would play him on Saturday Night Live, and <laughs> and he would like trip and smash and break through a desk and that's how he that's how he played Gerald Ford he didn't look anything like him but he just played this clumsy you know I always remember Gerald Ford on on the Simpsons and he was almost like a clone of Homer (laughs) I drink beer too (laughs) but um I think the uh, uh with the with the show 
Um, what are you, which, which episode do you like really excited about coming up? Because you've got one on migrant labor, one on religious symbols, uh, one on cities and the environment, uh, one on clean water. I mean, they're all like very, oh, relevant man. Issues. it's there. It's, this is such a strong season. I mean, the, the third episode is about clean, clean, clean water. I have yeah. to interrupt because I heard Reese say there's an episode on religious symbols. So is this like mm-hmm. a Dan Brown episode? You put them both in a van and then they go hunting for religious symbols and there's a treasure at the end? Or maybe they save the city from a, a, a gas poisoning? Or I'm just, I'm, I, I clearly haven't very, seen the show. You, you need like, to watch the show. I need to watch the yeah, show. Yeah, this yeah. is not how and, it goes. In, yeah, fact, <laughs> in fact, more dramatic than that because it's an episode about Bill 21, the Quebec legislation that bans public servants uh, in certain jobs from wearing any religious symbol in public, including a hijab or, you know, or any other religious symbol of any other religion, which has been beyond controversial. Hold on. And wait, that's a thing? That, yeah, man. Where yeah, you're man. not allowed. Hold on. That's that's. How do they enforce that? See, I can make ja, up my ja, own religion right now. Put a thing, put like a I don't know, a cinnamon bun around my neck. Say it's my religious symbol, and and just tell someone that, and they could. Well, I can get in trouble for I, that. I think it's going to be a serious recognized religion. Well, no, what, what no. does what is a serious recognized religion though? I, not, no, not cinnamon, I'm not cinnamon so butter sure I think every case would be different, but I think it is universally that no matter what, you can't wear it. So, like what about the, the flying spaghetti monster? That's a religion that a lot of people follow. That you know is quite ridiculous, but it is a religion, right? And like, would I not allowed to be eating spaghetti in certain restaurants because that's my my? No, it's public. If, if you're a public employee, if you're a public employee, is it government? Uh, yeah. If you, oh, okay, if, right, yeah, if you were yeah. a judge and you said, I worship this spaghetti and you were sitting on the bench and you were eating it and saying, I, I worship this spaghetti, I, they might take that bowl of spaghetti away from you. Amazing. That's amazing. So, so wow. that episode, the Quebec government, for lots of reasons, of course, has been very wary about how it communicates with the rest of Canada on the issue because it's the rest of Canada is not very happy about it. And they've used the notwithstanding clause in the constitution allows Quebec to protect it um, under, protect that legislation from certain constitutional challenges. It's being challenged by all kinds of people. Hmm. But in that episode, we had the assistant to the premier of Quebec, Christopher Skeet, with a liberal MPP, Michael Coteau in Ontario, who ran for the party leadership here. Uh, Michael went to Quebec Uh, to meet people, right, who support the legislation. And then he brought Christopher down to Toronto to meet people like, let's say, a French teacher who wears a hijab, who would never get a job in Quebec. Amazing. So so that episode is really great. Clean Water is our first U.S.-Canada episode. We had had the mayor of Flint, Michigan, uh, now not the mayor, Karen Weaver. She was, uh, through the water crisis, she was the mayor. With a mayor, Mitch Tulin from the Lake Huron, Huron-Kinloss area. And it's about keeping water clean in the Great Lakes. And he lives in an area where you have the Bruce Nuclear Facility and there may be a deep rock depository for nuclear waste built in that region. She's concerned because her people have been poisoned once by lead poisoning and they draw their water from Lake Huron. What happens if there's a nuclear accident? She comes to Canada to go to the nuclear station to get answers. Wow. So so that is our first U.S.-Canada cross-border episode. I personally love that episode. I think it's just, it's it's actually quite moving. There are tears in the episode because you can imagine 
who he might go to meet in Flint to see the right. human impact of water poisoning. So that, and then migrant labor, we went to southwestern Ontario, where all the greenhouses are. Oh, I've been and, there. I've been there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, wow. and we had two politicians debating, how do you protect the migrant workers, many of who, two of whom died from COVID, and there's been outbreaks in all these farms. And you had an NDP, um, NDP MPP in Ontario and a federal conservative MP who's a farmer who thinks that the farming industry itself should police first the problems and then later government get involved. You can imagine the debate. That was this past August we did that. So these episodes are, this season's, I'm they're all really top of mind and, 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 and I think really strong. And, and I recommend everybody... Watch them on TVO.org across Canada. Stream it on the YouTube station for TVO or watch it on TV in Ontario. That's awesome. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for uh, coming on the show and telling us about your insider knowledge on some of the people who've who've been involved. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been really interesting. It's been very informative. Jesse needs to go and watch the show now immediately. Yeah, man. Yeah. And, I, and I had so many more funny stories to tell, but I'll tell I'll tell them next time. Yeah, definitely for sure. I've got some honey Dijon chips at home waiting for me to uh, just pop that open and watch a show. I'm going to watch a. <laughs> yeah, that's um, I'm excited. <laughs> right on. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much, much, Mark. You bet, yeah. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, dear listener, do you enjoy listening to us ramble incoherently about Canadian politics and history? Boy, do we have a special fucking treat for you. We've got our first ever official live show at a bar. It's at Two Crows Brewing on uh, Brunswick Street in Halifax on Sunday, May the 26th at 8 p.m. And uh, if you go to CanadianPoliticsIsBoring.com, if you look at the banner at the top, it will take you to the tickets so that you can uh, book a ticket and come and spend some quality time. It is going to be a very intimate affair. There are like only about 50 tickets available. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to drink a lot. We're going to quiz. Reese is going to quiz me at the end, but he's also going to quiz the audience and see if they know more than I do. And any alcohol you buy, Reese and I, we promise to drink it, no matter how much it is. If you want to hold our hair while we barf in the plants outside of the bar, we'll do that for you. So go to CanadianPoliticsIsBoring.com, click the banner at the top, and on Sunday, May the 26th at Two Crows Brewing on Brunswick Street, we will see you there.